Blog Talk Radio. Well, this is BC Radio Live with Eric, Lisa, and Philip. I am Philip. Aloha. Uh, tonight we've got a <laughs> we've got a couple of authors to hear from. Uh, we are actually going to hear from Steve Kaufman first. He's uh, got a site called LingQ, L-I-N-G-Q.com. It's all about the way of the linguist. And we're also going to hear from Regina Leeds a little later on. She's got a book called One Year to an Organized Work Life. And uh, who knows, we may chat a bit amongst ourselves. We do have some, some news for upcoming changes on BC Radio Live. Uh, but today is Wednesday, March the uh, 4th, and this is BC Radio Live. Chat room is now open at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. There's a live video feed running. There you go. And uh, I'm Philip Wynn. I'm the button pusher for BC Radio Live and a chief geek at BC Magazine. And I'm joined tonight, as about every night, every week, uh, by BC Magazine's executive editor, Lisa McKay. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Philip. And we're also joined by BC Magazine's founder and publisher, Eric Olson. Good evening, Eric. Greetings. Philip and Lisa. Woohoo! We are all here, more or less. <laughs> so, uh, I, just a, just a quick little programming note. I was uh, just explaining right before the show started that I have been listening just about nonstop for a couple of days. If I can get this in the video feed, just right, I'm getting reflections off my screen. But to uh, No Light on the Horizon, the uh, new U2 album, their 12th studio album that just came out yesterday. Uh, I hope to produce a written review to be featured on blogcritics.org uh, sometime over the weekend or, or early next week. But um, I, I think it's probably uh, uh, 10 out of 11 songs are pretty darned awesome. And, uh, of course, the one song that I don't like is the one that they picked as their first single. So just go figure. <laughs> well, uh, that's pretty good. I, I, don't, uh, I mean, how many albums are not, 10 out of 11? Man, I can't really... I, I probably honestly can't think of any. I mean, even my most favorite, 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 favorite albums seem to always have, you know, like one, at least one hole, one or two holes in them. I right. look at them as just kind of a breather, you know. Oh, too much excellence. Let's let's slip some <laughs> suckiness in there. Give people a chance, you know. Well, I, I actually have I actually have two albums that I consider perfect, perfect from beginning to end, with all good tracks, no bad ones could listen to them on repeat for a week without a break and not get tired of them. Wow. Uh, this, this doesn't quite hit that, but it's... Uh, well, what it's are those? Really good. Uh, those are Phil Keggy and Sunday's Child, uh, the self-titled album by Phil Keggy and Sunday's Child, and uh, Harbor Lights by Bruce Hornsby. Wow. I would I not in a trillion years have guessed <laughs> those. Just pulled them out of the air. Wow. Well, Perfect uh, album. I highly encourage everyone to buy both of them. <laughs> I, I guess you do. Now, there's plenty of greatest hits. I shouldn't say there's plenty. There are more greatest hits or, you know, collections or whatever. Sure. That, that uh, you know, are more or less uh, all that they should be. But it's almost not fair. You know, it's pretty hard to compare... Uh, an, an album album, a studio album sure. with a collection because obviously one is a, a here and now. It's a it's a uh, it's a sampling of the the stream, the musical stream at that point in time. Whereas a collection is obviously culled from throughout a career, and so it's not quite the same thing. I've noticed that a lot of reviewers. 
when they put together, especially books, you know, they're doing the greatest this and that of all time, they exclude collections. Sure, uh, yeah. Others will include collections um, in the broader sense, but not greatest hits. In other words, they will include uh, um, the best songs from Zimbabwe, you know, but not right. an, an artist's greatest hits. Um, reasoning that uh, that kind of collection is, you know, is an, an album of, right. of sorts. You can get very, very finely detailed with the you know the philosophy of all this and last thing i want to say it's interesting since we have two authors on uh b- before we get to them i just got an email from one of my two main co-authors on the encyclopedia of record producers which is believe it or not 10 years old this year it came out in wow. september of 99 uh it really is hard to believe anyway he is all for uh submitting it or allowing it or however it works uh, to uh, to this Google uh, All Books in the World campaign. Oh, very nice. So there's, there is paperwork involved. You do have to sign stuff. It doesn't involve copyright, but, um, you know, I mean, there are ramifications, so we do have to think about it and go through that. But I thought that was really interesting that he, you know, was proposing that. And, yeah, it was just announced recently that they're literally going after anything and everything out there. But... Uh, I guess they're gonna they share revenue for anything generated, but right. I mean if you got millions and millions of books, very few of those books are gonna generate a whole lot of revenue. Sure. Hey, uh, Lisa, now I know you've been listening to uh, the new U2 album this week as well. Do you have any thoughts you want to share in, like in advance of your official review? <laughs> I, I like it very much. I like it better than their last two albums by by quite a bit. Hmm. Um, I think I told you the other day that War is still my all-time favorite. I think between that and Joshua Tree, that's that's a, that's a lot to top. Whoa! Sure. You want to know but my this, three favorite? Yeah. Uh, Octum Baby is is one of them. Yep. And boy. Joshua Tree. Boy. Boy. Another boy lover. Wait, that came out wrong. Boy is number one, believe it or not, uh, just for the for the energy, the youth, the energy, yes. love it. Uh, boy, uh, uh, Joshua Tree, and uh, Octone. Yep, okay, Eric, we have been we have been working together in one way or another for the last six years. Until Indeed. today, I did not know there was a single another person in this world for whom Boy topped the list of U2 albums. I have been mocked and derided for that repeatedly. Really? And refused refused to give in, and I, I feel vindicated now. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, I actually just listened to it recently, and... Amazing. Uh, it was not, uh, you know, I mean, lots of times, you know, there's, there's movement in the pantheon when you revisit sure. something periodically. I've had, them, I've had them go up, I've had them go down. And boy, I, I just I liked just as much. You know who loves boy? The, who? Oh God. Uh, the the uh, the people who love boy like typically the most uh, of you two are the real um, kind of new wave slash punky people. Sure. Oh, I mean, I, I was a child. That's of by that far movie. their most new wavey album. You know. Yeah. Wow, that that is that is fascinating. To you me. know, by the yeah, time you got to War, which is only really two what two studio albums later, they correct. were a, an arena rock band. You know, right? Now, and, now they stay there, but but they they had mutated that much in only two albums. Well, in the course yeah, of three albums. 
three years, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, the war is more political. So I know that, Lisa, you mentioned that's, that's one of the things you like about it. Um, but yeah, I just, I love the energy of Boy, love Oscar Baby, love Joshua Tree. And now I, I think this, uh, this becomes the, uh, the fourth. Each, each of the wow. trilogies of albums, uh, I love one from each trilogy of albums, and this is the one I love from the most recent three albums. Well, that's certainly a, 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 a very strong recommendation, so I will, I will certainly be checking it out shortly. You know, the other one, just in thinking about it, the other one I really love is the B-sides. That, that the oh, yeah. B-sides half of the, uh, you know, the hits collection. The Buffalo on the cover, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. from the, uh, I don't know, they, do they divide the B-sides by decades? I can't remember. But I, yeah, I love 80s, those. 80s to 90s, I think. Yeah, something like that. Sweetest anyway. Thing, and their version of Everlasting Love, which is just Amazing, I think. It's you know, what, guitar, you know, and him. one last thing about Boy, since this has turned into a a love fest for for YouTube's first album, they still perform a surprising number of songs from that album on tour. Well, he right? established his guitar style. Edge, yeah. it, it's so iconic, you know. Uh, between stories for boys and I will follow. I mean, that's his yeah. guitar style, and it Absolutely. was so it was complete. It was. Sui generis. It was out of nowhere. No one sounded like that, you know, and never has since. I mean, there's imitators, but no one has that guitar style, that weird kind of jangly yet melodic. Or, or no, I don't mean jangly in the REM sense. It, it's a uh, right, right. Uh, uh, I need a better word. But anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he they were they were fully formed at what you know twenty twenty one. They they just exploded. I mean, I think still to this day, "Stories for Boys" is my favorite U2 song. It's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Well, let's uh, let's jump to it. We we have our authors waiting patiently. Yeah, so. yeah. We're sorry about that. <laughs> we been to that. I just, I'm sorry. I just I was so caught up in realizing that you know you think you know a guy, and then you find out you don't. Uh, anyway, this is BC Radio Live. We are live every week at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. And co-hosting with Eric and Lisa, I'm Philip. Our first guest tonight is uh, he's a linguist, actually. He's a, a ling- linguistics expert. Uh, he's noted for the way of the linguist and also for a website called lingq.com. That's L-I-N-G-Q.com. It's really a, a community for people interested in, in learning languages and linguistic things. And we are delighted to have him on the show. Whoa. Uh, are you yeah, hearing that? We're, we're definitely picking up an echo all of a sudden. Did you hear that, or is that just me? Yeah, that was the moment I uh, put Steve on the line. Does Steve, he have, hey, Steve, turn your computer down, sound down, please. Hello. Hi. There we go. I have my phone here, yes? Yes, you are. You are on. You are on. You are over the airwaves, being all linguistical. Very good. But I am still hearing an echo. Do you have the computer on to hear the show? No, I don't. I'm just talking on the telephone. Huh? Well, okay. <laughs> well, we'll have to we'll have to let you talk because you don't seem to have an echo. It's we who have an echo. And that's, is there any chance you can uh, hang up and call back? Uh, I certainly can. Not a problem. Okay. I'll call you right back. Okay. Okay. I appreciate Thank you. It. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, I should well, mention uh, that Steve, besides obviously being a linguist, since that's what we're talking about, and that's the name of the book, and that's the name of the series, and that's the name of the website, 
Uh, he is also or was a, a diplomat and businessman, Canadian diplomat and businessman. So how groovy is I'm, that? I'm tempted to crack jokes about uh, Canadian diplomats being, since my wife is Canadian and I just think all that sort of thing is very amusing. But oh, I, I find Canadians ever so amusing, except for the, like the criminals, you know, like if they have a gun in your face or something, <laughs> then they're far less amusing. They're less amusing? Yeah. All right. Let's see how this works now. Steve, welcome to BC Radio Live. Thank you. Happy to be here. Excellent. All right. No echo. We, we have achieved uh, non-echoality. Echo wow. Excellent. <laughs> so, uh, what an interesting book. And gosh, you know, I'm a fan of brevity, and they don't get much more brev. Well, I didn't want to say too much, but I wanted to say it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think you did. So you speak nine languages, is that true? Well, since I wrote the book, I've learned Russian, so it's now up to ten. Dang. Now, my question is, or uh, yeah. one of my many questions is, um, do you find the the techniques, which obviously you're you're discussing in the book, do you find that the techniques are fairly applicable across the board in terms of language acquisition, or is each one really really different? Other than say, you know, the Romance languages are similar, that kind of thing. Are the, the, the techniques the same? The basic learning techniques are the same. Uh, obviously, if you're learning a Romance language, if you speak English, then you're going to find a lot of common vocabulary, which makes it easier. Uh, if you're learning Chinese, you have to learn the script. So that's another thing that you have to do. But the basic activity, which is exposing your brain to the language by listening and by reading and helping your brain notice what's going on in the language by reviewing words that you have gleaned from your reading, all of those kinds of activities are the same. And, and staying away from a lot of grammar explanation and drill and exercises and all the things that they did at school, stay away from it, and that's the same for all languages. Oh, right? bless and, and you. And in fact, I went after Russian because Russian has a very complicated grammar. Chinese doesn't. So I wanted to make sure that my approach to language learning would work as well in a sort of grammar-intensive language like Russian as it did for Japanese and Chinese. Uh, plus, Russian doesn't have a lot of common vocabulary like German and French and Spanish have. So, yeah, I, I would say it works for all languages. Interesting. All right, well, why don't you maybe walk us through, you know, what kind of the basics of language acquisition. And, and perhaps, uh, maybe before that, no, another thing I'm interested in personally is, did the fact that you grow, grew up in Montreal in, in, a, you know, in a bilingual uh, environment did did that uh, influence your abilities or your desire to acquire languages? Um, I wouldn't say that it did. Obviously, I was in Montreal, I, but I didn't hear much French. You've got to picture yourself in Montreal in the 1950s. You're talking about what they called two solitudes: an English-speaking speaking city of about a million people and a French-speaking city of two million people, and they didn't talk to each other. Now that has changed. So I grew up in a very much of a, a sort of an English-speaking environment. Uh, when I got turned on to learning French, because I had a professor at McGill who, was, uh, who was, did what the, the really good teachers do, and that is not to teach at you, but to turn you on so that you want to learn. And so from that point on, I got very interested, first of all, in French, and then I, I lived in France for three years as a student, and then into the Asian languages, and so forth and so on. So uh, in theory, yeah, but uh, a lot of people live surrounded by a language and they never learn it. 
Oh, well, uh, sure, of course. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, walk you through it. I mean, the basic principles. I should say one thing, by the way, because you are Blog Talk, blog talk Radio. Um, the more I've been at this, because I'm, I'm in the lumber business. I've been a businessman. I have my own company in lumber. Where I'm involved in a sawmill and so forth. And through, through this career, I also I got into two languages. And what I've discovered in the last five or six years is blogging, podcasting. This is exploding how languages are learned because it is putting so much content uh, in, a, in an area, the Internet, where everyone can access it. And because of the kind of functionality that we have at our, at our website, Link, because of what we can do with MP3 files, what we can do with e-text, how we can search it, how we can access dictionaries, uh, all the different things that we can do with modern audio and text. And because of the explosion of content, in all languages, on all subjects, the internet is the place to learn languages. Very uh, interesting. So this is, is the good, this is the right time, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it used to be that you know, you like when I was into German back in the early '80s, I'd scour all the secondhand bookstores in Vancouver looking for books that had little word lists because it's so time-consuming to look words up in a dictionary. But nowadays, I can grab anything on the internet. I can import it into my system. I've got access to dictionaries. If I look something up in a dictionary, I've got, uh, I might have the sound. I can put it into a system which creates flashcards for me. Uh, again, at Link, this is our website, ligq.com. Anything that you save will, will be highlighted. We're generating statistics on the words that you, you know, that you've learned versus your goals. I mean, there's just so much to do. And I can find friends through the Internet to chat with in the language that I'm learning, who are either native speakers or who are learning that language. So really, the, the whole sort of paradigm has changed because of the Internet and because of the kinds of things that you're doing, Log Talk Radio, perfect content for all of our English language learners. In fact, I want to find out more about you guys. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, we, yeah. we like that, boy. We, we love almost nothing more than talking about ourselves. Well, that's good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. so, so, this is among I've our been, favorite topics. I've been poking around. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just say I've been poking around link.com while we've been talking. Right. Uh, I unfortunately didn't get much of a chance to see your show or read your book before, or see your site or read your book before the, the show started. But uh, this this is fascinating. Can you please actually just run down maybe a a, a rough outline of of what your approach is from your okay. book? Because I mean, this, this website right. is is amazing. You know, and we're continuing to develop it. But the basic principle is that if you are interested in the content that you're listening to and reading, you're going to learn better. And you're going to learn from content, not from a bunch of rules and explanations. So what we have, we offer 10 languages right now. And so we have members around the world who might be, they might be Brazilians learning English or Japanese people learning French or Americans learning Portuguese. And they, all of our members have contributed to this growing library of content, uh, which, and the content consists of audio and text. And once we have audio and text, and you select something that's at your level that is of interest to you, and then we have a bunch of sort of learning functionality that helps you to learn from it. Mostly what you do is you download the audio and you listen to it many, many times. But if you don't understand it, of course, then you read it because there's always a transcript. And then you look up the words and phrases, which generates regular you know, emails, flashcards, and a whole bunch of stuff that helps you. Now, 
in addition to that, we have a community where people follow each other. You know, they follow their friends. So-and-so has just read this content. So-and-so set up a discussion time, whatever. And so there's a, there's a community aspect and there's a learning aspect. So it's, you know, it's difficult to, in a few words, explain it, but people learn by doing things that they like. And so you've actually, you're connecting people to teach other people. Like when I signed up, it asked me what language I was interested in learning, but then it also asked me what, what my native language is. Yeah. So presumably I'll be asked to help other people learn English as they Well, teach. we ask you what your native language is too because that will determine the interface language. Ah, the language very good. Dictionary. So if a Japanese person – typically the, the browser will figure out that you're Japanese if you come in from a Japanese you know, browser. But uh, uh, you can also set it for something else. But the other thing is you can search for friends, and you can search for friends who are native speakers of the language that you're trying to learn or who are from your country or who are learning the same language, and then you can arrange to get together with them and chat on Skype and so forth. But the, but the big thing is to get get listening. Like I have my iPod with me all the time for my Russian. Every 15, 20 minutes, half an hour that I have, I'm washing the dishes or whatever, I'm listening. And so you're able now with the iPod to, to, have the, to be immersed in the language every time you have sort of a dead spot in the day. And, and that's big. That's amazing. And as you said, the Internet is such a tremendous tool because you, it combines the actual audio with, with the text. And, and previously, that was a, a difficult thing to do. There was no one source of audio and text. You, if well, you, that's you know. right. But that's not always available. In fact, typically what's available is either text or audio. And so what we do is, for example, uh, we would approach a blogger and say, can, we, can our members use your text and record it themselves and put it in the library? And if they put it in the library, they get points for that based on usage. And they can bring it in for their own use if they want and use our functionality. Or we approach a podcaster and say, uh, and this is how, of course, the whole Internet works, you know, we say, we'll give you a transcript. Like, we'll pay to have it transcribed, but we want you to mention us. And so there's all this kind of stuff that's happening as well. So we're using the content, and yet we're working with people who are on the Internet. So we talk about them, they talk about us, and hopefully we all benefit. Have you taken a look at Blog Critics, our site? You know, I have to admit that, that I have. I only now, you know, I've been busy, and this was set up through a, a, a contact, and it's mostly been conventional radio. And so I, I see, oh, I have this uh, you know, appointment here, and I, I, look, I, I looked it up. And there's my name. I'm on in a few minutes, you know. The top of the page. Well, that's right. So I've, now I'm very interested, and I want to find out whether we can have a blog talk radio uh, section. Uh, you know, we can do this off the air or whatever, because we have our biggest market is people learning English, uh, people in Japan, in, in Brazil, you know, in Europe, uh, immigrants to North America who want to improve their English. And so if we have... Maybe there's ways we can work together. I don't know. There may well be. Now, we're not Blog Talk Radio. We do a show. We, we actually have a channel. We have our own channel right. on Blog Talk Radio, but we, we are not – we don't own it. Uh, okay. But we do participate in Blog Talk Radio. Our site is an online right. magazine called Blog Critics. I was just thinking about that in terms of well, you know, that, yeah, you're that. looking for content. We content. have a you know a we we. Subjects. I was listening to you talk about music, and I'm sure that I don't like. I'm a bit old, right? So I don't know who you're talking about. But we have lots of young people in Japan or Brazil who would love to listen to a discussion about different artists and stuff like that. That would be great content. But we have to get it transcribed. That's the thing. Right. Well, we what, 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 
just just throwing it out there when you get a chance take yeah. we take a look at the site because we we're producing you know 40 plus uh fully edited stories every day yeah uh, across right. the board in yep. english so there's yep. all kinds of content exactly. there Yep. And yeah, I think that's a tremendous idea to to hook up with Blog Talk Radio. You could do uh you could do shows all the time. You could do shows right. in different languages. You could, you know, that that would open a open up a whole other dimension for you. For sure. I'll be following up. Very I, I think the the big thing though is for people to realize that it is not such a, a difficult chore to learn another language. If they engage their emotions, if they get interested, if they do things that they like to do, and if they forget the way it was taught, uh, you know, in school. Uh, you know, recently there was a fellow called Daniel Temet. Have you heard of Daniel Temet? Hmm. The name sounds familiar, he, but I, I cannot place he it. He is a savant. He is an autistic person. Oh. Who, you know, he can divide uh, 3 by 57 and give you the answer to 300 points behind the decimal point kind of thing, all right? And he learned German in one week, but he really did. But his brain is, is everything that goes in his brain, he can retrieve it. We can't. But See, they but asked him. Well, yeah, I mean, we absorb a lot of stuff. We can't get at it, right? That's the problem. Uh, and so they asked him what was his suggestion, you know, what does he recommend people do in terms of language learning? And he said the first thing is forget everything you learned at school. And I say that as well. What they do in school is simply turn people off language learning. Right, but the the thing is when I when I hear that, for example, you know, you you know ten languages. You speak and understand ten languages. Right. Uh, inclu- including one the publication of your book, which was uh I guess it's been it's been three and a half years now. So right. um I, I I guess that doesn't convince me it doesn't even suggest to me that I wanna know how you learn languages. It suggests to me that you're the type of person that learns languages and I'm not. Right. So that, that that's I guess the challenge is 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 you know how how do people how well do people respond using your techniques? Well, they respond very well, and uh, they particularly respond well if they've been on a program that was heavy to grammar instruction. They were talking about transitive and intransitive verbs and things of that nature, and then they find out that if they simply listen and listen at least in the beginning, listen often to the same content and then sort of mine it for the words and phrases and go back to listening, and they just do this, that the brain actually can figure out the language. There are things you can do to help it, but the bulk of it is just to let the brain learn because the brain learns. The brain is designed to learn, and the brain learns better from examples, from episodes, from stories. It learns better that way than when it has to deal with theoretical explanations. Now, well, well sure. Listening and yeah. and uh, just absorbing through listening and repetition that that to me is easy. Uh, let me give you a, a just a very small uh, a corroboration of, of of you know what you're saying. I, I unfortunately I do consider it probably the absolute weak point of my overall education is right. other languages. I'm sure I'm right. not unusual as an American. You know, uh, I, I had some Spanish. I had some Latin. In school, I, I certainly never became fluent in Spanish. I mean, I would, you know, I, I could survive in Mexico, or at least back then. I mean, I'm, I'm not that young either. But um, you know, when, when I was in, when I, I'm from Southern California, when I was there, and you know, uh, and, and you're using it a lot more. Um, and uh, you know, when we went to Mexico, I could at least, 
you know, function. But no, I was certainly never fluent. And then uh, in college, the end of college, we took a trip almost the whole summer to Japan. And just like you're saying, it was a whole different thing where we didn't have any particular emphasis on learning the language. We did have we, we sort of did modular things where we'd pick you know one element of Japanese life or society or history or whatever and kind of focus on that every day. And right. we did language, you know, a kind of a traditional approach one day, you know. Right. But the rest of the time, it's just you know how to get by. It's immersion. We were living in places where Japanese was spoken. We were living. We were staying in Japanese style inns. So I mean, the whole idea was the immersion, the cultural, the, the linguistic, and and everything else. And so it, that immersive element, uh, I picked up way, way more in, um, I guess it was six weeks actually in Japan, uh, you know, in that six-week period than in, you know, whatever, four years of studying Spanish in school and even living in, you know, a, a, a fairly Spanish-oriented uh, uh, area of, of Southern California. So, it, you know, it I wasn't even thinking in terms of I, I am learning this. It's just you start to pick it up because you want to communicate. We're meeting all kinds of people. We met lots of people our own age, college students who were uh, who were English language majors themselves, or you know, learning English. And we were going back and forth and helping each other and swapping stories and all that, like you say. So I probably still to this day know more Japanese, and I'm, we're talking 30 years later. I know more Japanese than I know Spanish, probably. Yeah, but there's there's a number of reasons. First of all, what you were doing in Japan was meaningful to you. Yeah. And so you weren't resisting it in any way. You wanted no. it. It made sense to you. You wanted to do it. So th- the attitude is so important. You're Second absolutely of all, right. You were not obliged to produce anything. There were, you were, there were no tests. You didn't have to get anything right. You weren't trying to remember the subjunctive and a whole bunch of things that are just distract going to distract you from the language. So to getting back to your first question, I think if people have and I talk about it in my book, the kind of attitude you have to, have to have. You have to want to do it. You have to try not to be self-conscious. You have to try to step outside your own culture. And when you're in Japan, you haven't got time to be self-conscious. You're there. You've got to try to make sense of what's, what, what sort of surrounds you. So I think with the right attitude, I mean, I'm a much better language learner today than when I learned my first language. So because I've done nine and I go and study Russian, I'm going to do better than other people. And the big thing is this. And that is that when you have only one language, that one language kind of warps your perception <laughs> of the other language. So what you hear, the pronunciation, even the phrasing is going to be influenced by that one language that you have. Now, when you have yeah. two or three or four, you're much more flexible. So the fifth is easier and the sixth is easier because you're not trying to force everything into that same mold you know, of that first language. But everyone can do it. I'm quite convinced of it. You know what happened to me on that trip? It's the only time it's happened, and, and I've heard you know, many times from various sources since that that really is a, the sign that, that you are absorbing. I had some dreams in Japanese. Oh. <laughs> what was she like? <laughs> well, uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Yes, uh, indeed. So... Uh, well, uh, Anyway, yes, I, I, your technique makes absolute sense to me, and, and I think the key uh, for me and probably for a lot of people is to emphasize uh, you know, the fun part of it and that right. you're absorbing much more than you realize just yep. by listening. Yep. Your brain can learn. Give it a chance. Well, the book is called The Way of the Linguist, The Language yep. Learning Odyssey uh, by Steve Kaufman. Available at Amazon. 
available at Amazon right now, even as we speak. And there are a myriad of websites uh, that you can follow Steve on. In fact, he's on Twitter. He's got a Facebook group. Uh, you can find him at thelinguist.com, at thelinguist.blogs.com, and uh, the site that I'm, I'm rapidly falling in love with, Link, that's L-I-N-G-Q.com. Uh, Thank you very much for talking with us tonight, Thank you Steve. very much. Very Fascinating stuff. Good, okay. Good, good luck with it, and uh, it seems very worthwhile. I hope to see you guys on Link. All right. All right. I, I'm signed up now, so you'll good see stuff. me. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Steve. Well, this is uh, there we go. Uh, this is BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/BCRadio. Show is called BC Radio Live, and it's uh, hosted by BlogCritics.org uh, with Eric and Lisa. My name is Philip. Our next guest is also an author. Uh, her book is called One Year to an Organized Work Life: From Your Desk to Your Deadlines, The Week by Week. Guide to Eliminating Office Stress for Good. I think most of us could probably do with a lot less stress in our jobs. And, and more organization. Uh, <laughs> and more organization. <laughs> and uh, as, as times get tougher, uh, the, the more I think organization is valuable. But fortunately, uh, Regina is here to talk with us about that tonight. So welcome to BC Radio Live, Regina. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. <laughs> I feel more organized already. Oh, good. I have that effect on people. It's really nice. <laughs> and, and you know what? Your book is so valuable because you can also use it as a calendar. As a calendar? Oh, <laughs> yes. Well, that works if you are uh, if you begin the book in January, but I think it's important for people to know that um, you, you can begin any time in the year that you want. I would just begin... I would read the introduction, and I would do January and February, and then and March actually in order. You know, so your January could be June, and um, and then after that, you can just read according to whatever um, you you can bounce around. Well, I I always know that I have accomplished something when I confuse the guest with my joke. Oh, <laughs> did you? <laughs> I jumped in. I wasn't sure what you meant, but I jumped in. Well, your table of contents, of course, or, or I should say, well, the contents merely <laughs> reflecting the actual contents, uh, hence its name. Uh, the the book is organized, no pun intended, uh, in in a calendarial, is that a word? I don't know. In a, a calendrial, in a calendar manner. In other words, it, each chapter is a month, and we begin in January, funnily enough, and we end in December. So that was what that was all about. But um, because that's that's the book, it's or one year to an organized work life. So in theory, you could take a year to go through this and and do each chapter month by month. But you're saying we don't have to do that, uh, but we should probably go with um, the original order for say the first three months. I imagine that's just to get the foundation and. Uh, to get the, the cobwebs cleared out and to to bring in the um, the sandblasting and the uh, <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff and just just blow it all on out of there. Is, is, I'm well, guessing the, that's what's going on. 
in the in the beginning you you do want to know what my uh, vocabulary is and we want to be on the same page whenever i reference something but in terms of your office it's very important to know well for your life it's important to know what your goals are i want you to know where you're headed in life and why you're taking this year to do this work but you can't really accomplish anything at work um with ease and clarity until your space itself is organized. That's sort of like your body. And then the internal workings of the office, which are your, uh, your files, that's like your organs. So once you have the physical space, your file system is set up, and you know where you're headed, then, then you, know, you might be a person who doesn't have a problem with emails, or you might not have um, meetings that you don't think are, are that productive. So then you can just... Um, you know, take it in a different order after that. But, you know, it was also designed to be a particular way. So if you just want to read it in order, that that's probably the best. But I just don't want anyone to think, oh, I didn't start in January, now I have to wait a whole year. You don't have to wait. You can read, you, you can correspond, in other words, if you begin uh, – you begin in June, uh, that would correspond with January, and you would proceed uh, henceforth. Hey, the only reason I don't have problem with email is because that's what I do all day. <laughs> I'm, all I do is almost, almost is write and read email. So, I mean, I, I am on top of it uh, pretty much. I'm, I'm typically within about 24 hours, um, and and. Usually that work day for any sort of personal correspondence. So I found that that is very helpful and very important. And and once uh, kind of the first thing I do when I get in is is go through everything that's come in since I left, and because uh, I don't do a whole lot of checking once I leave. And uh, I mean you know I'll, I'll look it over, make sure there's no disasters befalling. But other than that, I, I pretty well just let things stay. But once I get caught up, uh, I'm pretty much in real time. Uh, at least for you know incoming stuff uh, for the rest of the day, and I find that that since I have been able to get to that point because I, I wasn't certainly haven't been like that forever. But once I realized over say the last few years that email kind of really is the essence of my job uh, at this point, um, I found that it's very helpful because I'm I'm responding you know more or less immediately. It's almost like IMing. It's almost like chatting. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, especially, you know, at least if I recognize the email, and and most of the addresses I I recognize that uh, people I hear from regularly, and so uh, I found that that makes a really big difference, and people do appreciate and 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 recognize when you do respond quickly, and it makes them feel important, and it makes them feel like you you care about what they have to say, and and uh, that uh, you know I I have found to be very important and very successful and something that people respond real well to. But well, I also realize I, I have it a lot better than most people because for most people, email isn't the essence of their job. It's merely a means to an end. Absolutely. Um, but you know what I'm really hearing you say is that I'm you're an idiot? Very, no, you're a very good decision maker. <laughs> And decision-making is the heart and soul of being organized. So I can tell that you make quick and uh, accurate decisions. And then for those for whom email is not um, the main portion of what they do, it's just part of it, I think it's important to understand that um, 
you don't have to drop everything because you have received an email. Sometimes uh, other stuff is going on for us. You know, maybe we're in the middle of a project and we're a little nervous about um, making this project work well. And sometimes unconsciously we can just get caught up in answering the email of the moment because it takes us away from that pressure. So um, there's a wonderful dictum, you know, just just say no. Well, sometimes that works really well with email. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, often yeah. it is a uh, it's an excuse to get away. Yes. You know. Yeah. Oh, I got an email. I got answered. I can't answer your question. I, I can't make that decision. That's a tough decision. I have to answer an email uh, about you know which brand of toilet paper I prefer. Absolutely, because that's so important. Yeah. It's very important. So it's really funny. We give away our power. We do it in email. We do it um, with instant messaging. We do it with voicemail. We do it with the actual phone. We we give our power away to other people and allow them to direct our day. That's why it's so important to to understand what your goals are for the year, for the day, for the moment. You know, you always have to be. It's like they say when you're flying across country, the pilot, the plane is off course more than it's on course, and the computers are constantly making um, mid-course corrections to keep you going, uh, you know, on the correct coordinates. And I think we have to do that um, in our lives. We always have to make sure that we're driving the bus, and it's so easy to give up control to other people. Yeah, that's an excellent point, too. You have to keep reprioritizing because things change. Things take longer than they're supposed to. Sometimes things take shorter than they're supposed to. Things come along that that are potentially more important than whatever you're working on at that moment. Um, and, and yet, on the other hand, you don't want to be too easily distracted because then you don't ever get anything done. Uh, so you're right. Uh, it, you do have to keep sort of uh, recalibrating your priorities. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes the hardest is that person who comes in and stands right in front of us and says, oh, oh, you have to, yeah, I need you to do this for me. I need this right now. And um, I don't want anybody to be rude in any, in any way, manner, shape, or form. But um, it, there's really a, a nice way of saying, um, you know, I really want to help you with that, but I can't stop what I'm doing right now. Unless, of course, that's your boss. And they're signing your paycheck. Then all bets are all bets are off. They get whatever they want when they want it. But very often there's um, at least one person in an office who just loves to upset the apple cart. You know, somebody who loves drama. And um, it's really important not to give in to that person and to understand that um, if you don't play the game with that person, they're going to move on and find somebody else who will because it's the playing of the game that's the most important thing to them. Why don't you, um, it would be very helpful, I'm sure, maybe walk us through the, the real basics, the essence of your program for getting organized, because I know previously you did a book on, on getting your life organized, right? Yes, that was and one I, year to an organized life, and that came out last year. And, and I imagine there are many parallels uh, between oh, the Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's there are five things that if somebody remembers, they can organize anything. And then you can, you know, you can shift um, um, your focus a bit so that what you're doing in a closet might be a little different than what you're doing in your file system. But at the heart of the matter, organizing is really the same. It's what changes is what you're dealing with. So the first thing to remember is the whole of anything is overwhelming. 
so you get this new assignment at work and it's due in two months and it's huge and you think, oh, no, I can't do this. Well, it's just like being all fired up to get organized and going home and looking at your closet and you open the door and you say, no, no, I can't do it. We have to break things down into small increments and we go increment and piece by piece and then it's, you know the old joke, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Well, it's the same <laughs> thing with organizing. And then I have I the, you know I've been organizing for 21 years now and the first Were you disorganized week, before that? No, I had a really organized mother. As a matter of fact, I'm not <laughs> in Los I had a very organized mother and I'm I happen not to be uh in Los Angeles tonight. I'm back east visiting a relative and we've been laughing all week how alike we are and we've just been wondering if organizing is part of our genetic code. It's very funny. But um the first three years that I worked with people, the night before I went to anybody's home or office, I was just a wreck. I was sure they were going to say to me, well, this is what I need organized, and I would look at them and say, okay, that's great. I don't have a clue how to do that. And after three years, I realized that every single project, no matter what it was, no matter who the person was, it was the same three steps. And because it worked no matter who the person was or what the project was, I labeled it the magic formula. So the first thing you have to do is eliminate. You've just got to get out of that space, out of that project, out of that office, out of whatever, whatever doesn't belong there. Maybe it means there's stuff you have to toss. Maybe there's stuff if it's home that's going to charity. Maybe if it's the office, there's stuff that's going to be archived or material that has to be shredded. Or maybe you've got 16 coffee cups in your desk and you really need to take 15 of them back to the office kitchen. You've just got to get out of that space. You've got to pare it down, everything that you're not needing, going to want, going to use. Now, as you're making those decisions about what you're eliminating, you're working the second step of the magic formula, which is to categorize. Because every time you say yes to an item, you're going to put it down with its brethren, if you will. So that's how, when we have a project in the office, all of the papers for that project start to come together. Uh, when you're putting your office supplies together, they should all be in one place. In your drawer, you should have a smattering of whatever the basics are. And then you have another place that's like your own personal staples or office depot. And um, it's really great to see categories in a closet because we all have clothes, so we can all relate to categories there blouses together, shirts together, suits together, and so on. But it's the exact same thing in an office. You want to keep all of your books on a bookcase. You want to keep all related categories of topics together. And so that's the second thing. Now, then I have my, cate- then I have my categories, and then I look at them and I say, okay, now it's time for me to read a book um, or call a professional organizer or call an organized colleague or family member and say, I've got to organize this category so that it is beautiful to look at. I'm going to be happy every time I have to deal with it. It's got to be functional because beauty without function is meaningless. And it's also got to be set up in a way that it can absorb more. You don't want one piece of paper in a file system, you know, in a, fi- in, in a file folder. And then the last thing to remember is that maintenance is a part of life. Nobody ever, for instance, goes on a diet and exercises, gets to their goal weight and says, thank God, now I can eat French fries. 
<laughs> you always have to maintain whatever you have achieved. But the great thing about organizing is you're not expending extra effort. You're taking the same energy and you're just reapplying it. So, for instance, if I walk in my office and I throw my keys anywhere I want, I'm going to have a big drama potentially later on. Oh, my gosh, where did I put those keys? Why can't I find them? And that whole soap opera that plays out every day all across America. But if I designate one spot, I put them in this dish, I hang them on this hook, I put them in this pocket, that's the same amount of effort to put them in that one place. But the amount of time that I save and the amount of energy that I save, because I don't have to go hunting for it later on, is invaluable and immeasurable, especially over the course of a week, a month, a year. And so that's what maintenance is all about. You set up a system. You, that's what being organized means. It means you make good decisions and you set up a system, and then you just have to work that system. And, you know, when I, when I teach my classes at the beginning, I usually say, okay, now there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is everybody's already organized. And the bad news is some people are organized in a way that promotes chaos and upset, and some people are organized in a way that promotes a nurturing environment that will support your best efforts in life, and that's what we all want to have. Wow. Will you be my mother? <laughs> sure, just buy the book and you can take me home and I'll be your mom right on your I nice have dance. the book right in front of me. <laughs> and there you are on the back with a lovely smile, looking all organized and 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 and, and lovely. You know, See, when you so said funny. when you said good news and bad news, I thought the bad news was going to be the part about not being able to take your uh, BlackBerry on vacation. Oh, I would just, no, I have my cell phone. I, you know, I pick up messages from my cell phone. As a matter of fact, I have a funny story, and I, I tell it on myself in the book. You know, there are some people like us who are hooked in, and um, we like to stay on top of email. We enjoy that. And as long as you're not um, carrying on phone conversations in the middle of the street or in the post office, you know, I always say use your inside voice. Not your outside <laughs> voice. Nobody wants to know your business. But as long as everybody is on the same page, it's okay. It's not rude. You know, I just said I was visiting my cousin, and the other night we um, we traveled um, from um, one state to another, and so we we were sitting down in the evening relaxing, and I had to laugh. We didn't say a word to each other. We sat down on separate chairs. We each took out our laptops, and we were checking email, and we were doing business, and I said... <laughs> Isn't this isn't this cute? We're on the same page. We I don't think you're rude. You don't think I'm rude. We're doing exactly what we want. And I when I celebrated my birthday last year, I went home to New York and I went out to dinner with um, four friends. And two of them, I mean, they have cell phones, but it's just for emergencies. They usually don't turn them on. I don't think they know what the numbers are. And then the other two people are like me. They run they run a business. And so at one point, the three of us. It didn't say a word to anybody, but all three of us at the same time took out our phones so we could check our emails. <laughs> so, well, you could only take so much time away from them. Well, hey, you know, the dinner it was, was building. <laughs> this, the tension was building. Ah, okay, here we go. That is really funny, and and it it is pretty evident, you know, when you meet someone for lunch uh, for the first time, or or uh, you're just spending time with them, and it, it's evident, you know, quickly what 
<laughs> what what phase uh, they're in, uh, you know how how they operate. And I agree with you. There's nothing wrong with it at all, as long as as long as people are courteous, you know, and, and remain. Oh. The, the, the only thing that bothers me is is when it's really clear that the person's head is not primarily, you know, in the here and now. They're <laughs> they could be anywhere. <laughs> and well, you know, but that's they're just rude. And it, exactly. uh, the, the BlackBerry is just a new way for them to be rude. They'd be rude without it. Uh, you know, you have to have basic manners and be respectful. And it also depends a great deal, I think, on the age of the person. I think the younger younger people function that way, and they don't find it. You know, emails that I get from, um, say, somebody 35 and younger, they very often dispense with, you know, dear Regina, and, you know, sincerely, and they'll just dash off a note to me. And um, I don't think it's rude at all because I get – we're having it's, it really is it's using an email like an instant message and um so well that, that that's to... that's what the that's what the two line in the email is that's the dear regina part to <laughs> regina at whatever dot com done right. <laughs> right but see then i have i have friends who are older and oh my goodness if you don't say you know um dear frank and sincerely regina you know if you don't go and through punctuate all the... correctly oh yeah to them, um, it's a letter, only it's being sent through email. So sure. you always have to honor who you're communicating with. You know, it's. Uh, but but it would be the same if you were just having a different age group come in and sit down and have a conversation with you. You have to be respectful about what that person expects and their life experience. It's what makes you gracious. These are all tools. Exactly. So you don't want to use the tools to browbeat somebody. You want to use the tools to make somebody feel comfortable with you, and if it's business, do business with you, and you know, just being a and good. You don't, and you don't want to use the tools to distance people. <laughs> no, no, that well, would not the, uh, be a good thing. The book is called "One Year to an Organized Work Life: From Your Desk to Your Deadlines: The Week by Week Guide to Eliminating Office Stress for Good." You can find it at Amazon, and in fact, you can save about a dollar fifty by getting the Kindle version if you're into that sort of thing. Or you can actually find out more information about the book at organizewithregina.com, and it looks there's even a link to your blog. So you're like you're like Regina Organization Seed, where you go around like Johnny Appleseed, just spreading organization everywhere you go. What a what a wonderful life. Oh, listen, I am, you have no idea. I am so blessed. I just give thanks all the time. I mean, I really get to do what Joseph Campbell talked about. I get to follow my bliss. Helping people is go. such an incredible turn-on. It's the best. It really is. And and when you don't have to maintain it, it's better still. <laughs> you just help them get set up, and then you go <laughs> dancing off. I'm on my merry way. I'm following my bliss. You maintain it. <laughs> well, everything is set up. It's very logical, and it's based on how you think. So it should be easy to do. Oh, it I'm really, just teasing you. I think it's I really know. terrific. I, I think, it, and in your your the pithy the pithy core of your system makes absolute one thousand percent sense. I, in some ways, I'm very disorganized. Some aspects of my life, and other ways, I'm really quite organized. Probably what I'm best at in the real world is yeah. keeping my uh, CDs in order because I get about a thousand a year, 
And at the end of the year, I have to file all those because they got to go in with the other 30,000. And you can imagine, if they're not in the right place, I'll never find them, never in a million years. So I am really good about that. And, and what I do is, at the end of the year, uh, first I, I put them uh, just by letter of the alphabet. Then within each letter, I further break it down into the actual order. Then, only when they're in actually, you know, one by one by one, uh, alphabetical order amongst themselves, letter by letter by letter, then I actually take them to the collection and start filing them because then it's pretty easy, you know, because everything's already in order and I'm just taking a look. And it's kind of fun to look through the collection as I'm going just to remind myself of what I have and, and don't have and familiar, re-familiarize myself because I really do only do it, you know, once a year. Of course, it takes a couple months because I, I don't do it <laughs> anything close to every day. I, I only do it once a year in November and December. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I'm looking, well, as we're talking, I mean, I'm looking at the floor, right, and I, I have them, they're organized by letter, but I, and I always go backwards. I start at the end of the alphabet, and, and I'm still only up to, uh, what am I up to, K. So, you know, I, I got a ways to go still. Uh, but anyway, at least I know how to do it, and I, and I even actually enjoy doing it. It's just finding the time, really, to do it. But, you know, I really feel a sense of accomplishment each year, you know, when I finally get everything sorted. Because, whoa, I've done it all, and there it all is, and everything's in order, and I can find anything I want. And, gosh, look at all those. They're all mine. Yay! <laughs> Well, and you're, it's a great example of uh, what people sometimes don't realize when they're just learning to be organized is that um, the process is, it is really very zen-like. It can be very relaxing it, and fun. You're right. It is. It is. One, you know, once I have put aside all the other things I think I'm supposed to be doing and just do it, then it really is. It's fun. And I lose track of time. And especially if I'm, you know, listening to, to music while I'm doing it, it, it really is quite fun and enjoyable it's just the problem is simply finding the time because you know there's always other things i could be doing those are all music cds yes you know it's the funniest thing it's a genetic thing with guys every man's music is always organized i mean that's a huge generalization but in 21 years when it when a couple or or moving into a house Inevitably, the sound guy or the sound system is up before anything else is unpacked. Guys just love to organize their music. That's um, it's something I've noticed. It's well, really it, that is interesting. Yeah, I've always been pretty yeah. good about it. Even at my kind of most disorganized in general, I've I've uh, you know kept it in order because I really did. I needed to know where they were. I wanted to be able to find them. I, I you know, I, who needs the frustration of knowing you have something but not being able to find it? That just drives me insane. So I'm pretty, and I, I do the same with books. books for me. Yep. I'm pretty good books, with books. And DVDs. Very good. Oh, and DVDs. Yeah, sure. DVDs. Yeah. Media, yeah. I guess. Is those may be the only thing organized in my house, but those are definitely organized. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Regina. Oh, it's my pleasure. I had a good time tonight. Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, we enjoyed it. I feel more organized simply for having spoken with you. <laughs> And you I'll rubbed off on me by osmosis. Well, very good. Well, this has been uh, BC Radio Live. It is a production of blogcritics.org. It's available on blogtalkradio.com slash bcradioeveryweek. 
Uh, Eric, do we want to say anything about our upcoming plans, or shall we, we leave it for a surprise to, for people? As well, we, we've, been, we've talked about it actually a few times on and off over the last several months. Yeah, we, it's harder and harder to meet um, this kind of out-of-nowhere time frame. In other words, we have our work day, and then we go home and do our things and all that, and then we have to be back on the air at 9, and, uh, or 9 Eastern and, and 8. Uh, Central. Central. And so, uh, you know, it it sort of sticks out. And we all have families, and we all are very busy and have lots of things going on uh, all the time. And so, uh, you know, we're we're just finding it a a bit more and more difficult to to set aside that time, and then you add in the preparation time and everything. So we are going to try to move the show down to an earlier time and have it be – a little more of an extension of the workday rather than something completely apart from it. I'm actually myself contemplating. This is why I'm, I'm still a little fuzzy on on things. I'm, I'm wondering if if I'm gonna still do an hour, uh, but but maybe this show will be a half hour, and then maybe I'll still do uh, authors and music in a second half hour. That's still only an hour, see, and and so this show's an hour. Oh, and that's the other part of it is, is we we sort of all had a desire to to break this show down uh, to a half hour, and we realized that we rarely, if ever, uh, like once, <laughs> twice, uh, do the original purpose of the show, which is to talk about things relating to blog critics, and in particular to highlight really good material and all our super fantastico writers and editors and all that, none of which we've done. And it's all understandable. We sort of mutated into, you know, all these very interesting and diverse and sometimes even well-known, you know, authors and musicians, uh, for the most part, that's who we're talking to. But uh, just whoever comes along, um, you know, are, we're, are being offered to us. And so it's pretty hard to, to turn down. But um, I, I'm thinking that uh, probably we will go from. Uh, did we say six to six thirty, or was uh, it six thirty to seven Eastern time? Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe uh, I'll start uh, at six and do something similar to what we've been doing with authors and/or music for a half hour. In other words, one or two interviews, and then uh, uh, these guys, Philip and Lisa, will join me, and we will talk about the the site which is obviously something we're all very directly concerned with and interested in and we can get back to talking to some of the our our writers and highlighting them and giving yeah. them a forum basically we've got hundreds of writers contributing every uh, week we we've got uh 40 plus articles most days and uh including weekends so I mean we end up with hundreds of uh, articles written every week and uh, some of them are, are awesome. I mean, not just when, for example, I write an article, but other other excellent writers also even write. Even when other people write. Even when other people, other than, than we three, write articles, they're, they're really, really great. And so it'll be nice to be able to draw attention to that again and, and promote some of those awesome, awesome bits of writing that show up on the site. So that'll be cool. So details so will come. I, I think we're, we're shifting. I think we're aiming to shift around April 1st. So details, we've got a few more weeks to put together details. So is that four weeks away? Uh, for the next few weeks, things will be exactly as they have been. We'll be bringing you the, the most interesting authors and musicians and uh, people around. We'll learn interesting things that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to miss, actually, <laughs> when, we, uh, when we finally change formats. 
Uh, but then starting in April, it'll be something all new. So that'll be cool. Anyway, in the meantime, uh, you can always check us out at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. And uh, thank you to Lisa, and thank you to Eric, and uh, thank you to uh, both of our guests from tonight, to Regina and Steve. And until next week, aloha.